Canada Big Brother and a U.S. Congressional Race. Bear with me while I tie together some disparate threads into a whole cloth. First up is a frightening story from Canada, the progressive dreamscape in which Big Brother rules with an iron fist, censoring, indoctrinating, usurping parental rights, and threatening imprisonment of anyone who claims 2 plus 2 equals 4. This story should serve as a warning to Republicans in the United States. Robert Hoogland, father of a now 15-year-old daughter, is living in the progressive dreamscape, otherwise known as a living nightmare. When his daughter was 12 years old, he learned through seeing his daughter's yearbook that she was using a boy's name at school. And that led to his discovery that a school counselor had helped her pick out the name and that the school had decided to treat her as if she were, in reality, biologically male. The Federalist reported the following about the daughter's mental health history. She is referred to as Maxine in this article, and I quote, Her parents separated in 2013. Not yet 10 years old at the time, Maxine began to make some poor choices of friendship at school. Her difficulties escalated as she began adolescence, and by grade 6, her school was frequently reporting her to her parents for misbehavior. In grade 7, at around the same time that Maxine began experimenting with her gender identity, she developed an infatuation with her first male teacher. When Maxine was forced by the school to stop writing this teacher love notes, she sunk into a period of depression and self-imposed isolation, during which she declared herself a lesbian and spent copious amounts of time secluded in her room with the lights off and the shades down, limiting her social interaction to online chat rooms. In grade 8, while she was being affirmed in her transgender identity, Maxine had a second infatuation, this time with a male PE teacher. Her advances were, of course, not requited, and she was removed from that teacher's class. Nevertheless, she continued to stalk him around the school and engaged in a suicide attempt, which she attributed to being rejected by her teacher, end quote. From that time until now, Mr. Hoogland has lived a nightmare of massive government intrusion into his family life and usurpation of his parental rights. The school informed him that according to a Ministry of Education directive, he had no right to be notified about his daughter's spanking new gender identity. School counselors recommended that Maxine meet with openly homosexual pro-trans psychologist Dr. Wallace Wong, who, surprise, surprise, recommended testosterone injections. Mr. Hoogland was ordered by the court to refer to his daughter by male pronouns and to use the male name she adopted. He was charged with family violence when he refused to affirm her male impersonation. He has been prohibited from speaking publicly about the case. The court refused Mr. Hoogland's request that his minor daughter not be injected with testosterone. And now, his 15-year-old daughter has a deepened voice and facial hair, is most likely sterile, will be a lifetime hormone doper, and is at increased risk for all sorts of serious diseases. But what do progressives care as long as their ideology advances? A good father has been treated as a criminal by the criminal enterprise known as the Canadian government and courts. But Robert Hoogland will not be silenced. Will conservatives in Canada stand beside him? Will conservative politicians in Canada stand beside him? If you go to this article online, you can watch a short video of the heroic Mr. Hoogland talking about this issue. Mr. Hoogland's daughter may suffer from what is called rapid-onset gender dysphoria, 
or adolescent onset gender dysphoria, a phenomenon that disproportionately affects adolescent girls with social, psychological, familial, and or physical issues, and who, after spending inordinate amounts of time on social media reading about and watching videos about transitioning, conclude that the source of their problems is that they are born in the wrong body. These are girls who never in their childhood expressed any discomfort with their biological sex. Rapid onset gender dysphoria is a social contagion, similar to those that encourage cutting, eating disorders, and even suicide. This deeply troubling phenomenon points to the danger of what ignorant people and deceitful people call conversion therapy bans for minors. These are legal prohibitions of counseling for minors who experience same-sex attraction or, as in Illinois, cross-sex identification. Progressives deceitfully conflate long-rejected aversion therapies with conventional therapeutic counseling modalities in order to use the law to prevent minors from getting counseling for feelings that may result from sexual abuse, family trauma like divorce, parental suicide, death of a sibling, or social rejection, or autism. What happened to Mr. Hoogland will happen here in America. So let's jump now from Canada to Illinois, where, surprisingly, a few people still live. Let's skip over to the 6th Congressional District, where a crucial congressional race that could turn a House seat back to red is taking place. This seat is currently held by the creepy Sean Caston, who, when asked by the Daily Herald to name someone he admires, named one of the worst public figures in America, the uber-creepy, obscene, homosexual, anti-Christian bigot Dan Savage. I kid you not, that's what Sean Caston said. Running against creepy Caston will be either retired transplant surgeon Dr. Jay Kinsler or former state representative and gubernatorial candidate Jeannie Ives, who would have won the gubernatorial race had Pinocchio Rauner, with his buckets of ducats, not smeared her so scandalously that even the national press took note. So what might this race have to do with the takeover of government, courts, and schools by trans alchemists and their collaborators in Canada, you may be asking yourself? Well, Americans should know by now, and certainly Illinoisans should, that with arrogant and often combative far-left lawmakers like AOC, Ilhan Omar, Ayanna Presley, Rashida Tlaib, Hakeem Jeffries, Jerry Nadler, Maxine Waters, Adam Schiff, Nancy Pelosi, Danny Davis, and Jan Schakowsky, who are committed to undermining the First and Second Amendments, we need strong, principled Republicans passionately committed to the Constitution, the entire GOP platform, and parental rights. Jay Kinsler is, by his own campaign's admission, not. One of Kinsler's own campaign ads, citing the Daily Herald, says, quote, Kinsler is eager to focus on policy issues and leave social issues out of the equation. He makes an unqualified distinction between social causes and policy constructs and demonstrates a sincere promise to leave the former to the dictates of personal conscience and to concentrate solely on the latter as matters for the attention of government, end quote. Say what? To understand this stunning statement, a statement that Kinsler proudly touts, we have to identify what the social causes are that the euphemism social causes conceals. 
As everyone knows, the social causes are the policy issues and constructs that progressives fight like the Dickens to bring to the attention of and enforce through the power of government. You know, things like public policies related to abortion, the sexual integration of private spaces, the sexual integration of women's sports, mandatory pronoun use, marriage, forcing Christian business owners to violate their religious convictions, prohibiting businesses from firing employees who start masquerading as the opposite sex at work, requiring government schools to introduce kindergartners to the arguable trans ideology, and mandatory vaccinations for all children to prevent some STDs. Take a gander at the Equality Act, which is a top-tier social cause policy proposal on the agenda of progressives that will significantly undermine the religious liberty of Christians, Christian organizations, and churches. The Daily Herald reports that Kinsler, quote, points proudly to a record as a Park District Commissioner that emphasized pragmatic cooperation over partisan bickering, end quote. Kinsler boasts, too, that he's a unifier. I think we all know what a unifier who opposes even bickering and who is committed to leaving social causes out of the equation will do when faced with policy proposals on social causes. Kinsler also recently said that Jeannie Ives' opposition to what many Illinoisans wrongly call a conversion therapy ban is, quote, baggage, end quote, for her, and that conversion therapy has been debunked. It isn't, and it hasn't been. Kinsler should know that, but evidently doesn't. What has been debunked is the efficacy of aversion therapy, which was used for the treatment of all sorts of issues and hasn't been used in decades. Jeannie Ives' opposition to the ban of conventional counseling, which constituted a gross overreach of government and interfered with the work of mental health professionals, was absolutely the right thing to do. The most significant threat to First Amendment speech religious free exercise and association protections, and to parental rights is posed by policy proposals related to the social causes that Kinsler is committed to leaving out of the equation. If the 6th district flips to red, who is the candidate best equipped in terms of courage and principles to battle AOC at all, and in so doing, prevent the U.S. from becoming Canada? Who would stand up publicly for America's Robert Hoogland? Surely those who affirm the Constitution, the entire GOP platform, and parental rights know it's Jeannie Ives.